What's going on, people? So before I actually get the recording of the episode to play, I'd just like to give a little preface of who I am and why I'm here and what to expect from uh, this podcast. So first of all, if you have not already or uh, did not see my Facebook page or my YouTube channel videos, which I actually have not recorded yet as of recording this, um, check those out. Uh, They'll probably have updates way before I'll have updates on the podcast, and they'll also have video of me explaining things there just one-on-one, so it'll give you a better idea of everything that I'm trying to do. Um, So first of all, uh, who am I? I'm a senior in college, and I'm just kind of trying to figure things out here, and the biggest thing that I realize is that as a senior, I only have one year left to kind of make anything that I really want to happen happen for at least the next couple of years. After this year, I have to either get a job, go to graduate school, or kind of just be a bum. So obviously that's a, that's a scary thought, and the biggest thing that I realized after after having that thought is the fact that I only have a year to live on my own and live in a way that I get to dictate what I want to do. Luckily, I had the, the fortunate chance of being able to dorm and experience that lifestyle. And what I realized while I was here is that in college, you do grow the most, and as cliche as it is, it's you change as a person. Especially if you dorm, you meet all these people, all these interesting characters from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different, just everything, ideals and morals, and you all kind of mesh and learn from each other. So the idea over this podcast, the name of this podcast is Unmapped, was based on the idea of a couple of other podcasts and an idea that me and my college buddies had. So first of all, what I realized is that all the other podcasts that I listen to, all the ones that are very popular nowadays, are th- the ones where it's just people who have already made it, who are accomplished, who are adults talking about things that they know, and I mean, their profession or things like that. Um, the best example I could give is uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, which is one of the biggest ones out there right now. Every single person on that podcast is so, so intellectual or so accomplished or I mean, they've gone the the full full road of going from you know start to finish, and they're there now, and they're established, and they've more or less figured out everything that they've they wanted to do. And for for all those people, there was an age where they didn't know, and I mean, they were twenty something at that point, at at one point at least, and they were lost just like every other twenty year old. So the idea behind Unmapped is uh, talking to those people. And as corny as this is going to sound, it's talking to the future uh, today. It's talking about the people who are going to be, who haven't made it yet, who haven't figured it out yet, who are just, you know, kind of still molding into the person that they will one day be. And on this podcast, what I'm trying to do is get all those teens or those 20-somethings to come on, uh, give their background, give their story, give their ideals, what they want to do, what they may do, what they have done. And kind of just give a general idea of what all the other uh, 20-somethings are, are doing out there. Because I strongly believe that this platform um, and this podcast will be able to help those who are lost by finding the other people who are around the same age group who maybe have the same problems or the same issues. And maybe they'll find an answer by doing so. I know so far I've probably sounded uh, extremely monotone, um, but just bear with me. This is my first time trying to get into the whole world of content creation. It's the first time I'm doing anything that has to do with recording or putting myself on video. 
and uh, I just hope you guys see that I'm really trying to put myself out there and it's something that's new to me it's foreign to me and I'm just trying to uh, you know learn as I go and uh, so now I'm going to just get into who will be on this podcast so for the first episode what I decided to do was choose literally the most interesting uh, guy that I know he's a 20 year old most interesting man in the world his backstory is probably one that I'll never ever find in anyone else and I have the privilege of calling him a very close friend of mine unfortunately the recording for our talk was actually not the best quality just because I hadn't figured out the proper settings for this mic uh, and I only figured them out after I had recorded them so uh, it will only be the first episode that will not be the pinnacle of quality but uh, nonetheless, you can hear everything that's going on, and it was a great conversation. And just because this preface was kind of monotone, don't think that the podcast or the material will be boring or anything like that. The conversation was amazing, and it was a great talk, lasting for about an hour with no issues at all. Um, you'll get his entire backstory from zero to 20 years old, where he started and where he is now. So without further ado, I'm going to let the recording play. Uh, thank you for those who are listening to this first episode of Many to Come, and I hope uh, you enjoy the conversation that we have. What's up, guys? This is episode one of Unmapped, and on today's episode, we have the Mizungo. What's up? Hey. Dude, glad you can make it here. I know. I'm really happy to be here. It's been so long since we've actually been able to... actually. Ha- I actually have a setup now, and there's actually you know, a possibility of this production actually happening, and I'm so excited. And it's I'm kind of nervous. This is the first episode, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about this for months. That's pretty awesome that it's all coming together. We have the gear, and we have the right setting, and we can, we can actually do this, which is really cool. Dude, the first time I tried, I remember I tried using my phone. That was so that sucked yeah, so bad. That was a good trial run. You know, we had the we had the phone and we were able to to try it out, see how it worked. But I mean, I learned from it, so I, no harm, no foul. Yeah. The, the one thing that I did establish the most from that attempt on trying to use it on my phone, I, I realized that trying to use video for this was unlikely and would make it way more difficult than need be. Right. Yeah. And and on top of that, I think using a phone, I, I don't think it would have worked just because of the fact that. What I'm trying to do with this podcast, the anonymous factor in it, I think that is one of the most important things that distinguishes this podcast to other podcasts out there right now. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't prevent anyone from speaking their mind or mm-hmm. saying exactly what they want to say, you know, with the fear of hurting their ref or, or uh, anything of that sort, you know. Right. That anonymity right. Is, is a really cool feature of this, which I really like. I mean, the biggest thing on top of that is the fact that it was really awkward being on camera. I don't know how. Like, yeah. if you ever watch Ro- uh, Joe Rogan's uh, podcast on YouTube, mm. you can see how, like, they are not phased at all by the fact that there are multiple cameras in the room always yeah. looking at their faces. And it's just so fluent. Yeah. But it's really, really weird to put yourself on camera if you're not used to it. Exactly. Like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> no, that's the biggest... That is the biggest thing. Because I've been trying to record... Uh, YouTube, the, my first YouTube video, yeah. and I spent collectively probably four to five hours trying to figure out just what to do with my hands. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just so much. It's, it's... And when you're on video, you also have to kind of like present yourself in a right. good way. Like you could do this podcast 
butt ass naked if you wanted. This, this is true. <laughs> I mean, not that you'd want D- to. Disclaimer: None of us are butt ass naked. Yes, we, we are fully clothed. Fully clothed. <laughs> um, that's not how we do it here. <laughs> um, so let's get into explaining your name. So the Mzungo. So I'm assuming not many people know who that is unless they're from uh, yeah. Africa or South Africa. Mm. Um, so I just want you to explain what that is because actually that name took us what like two minutes to figure it out, but I think probably is the most accurate name to <laughs> give you a nickname and also kind of get your story out and get it started. Yeah, um, Mzungo is a Kenyan and kind of a African term for a white African, if you would. These essentially white people that live and, you know, um, were born in Africa. So, yeah, the, that's me. I am, I'm a walking irony. I'm a, I'm a white African kid who dresses like an old man. <laughs> I mean, I think that changed a little bit. Uh, but I, there's nothing wrong with dressing like an old man. I think it's, it's just professional attire. No, I love it. But yeah, I want to go more into just your background. Yeah. So so the reason why I wanted you as the first episode was because of the fact that uh, this podcast has to do with people who are young, who are trying to make it, who haven't made it yet. But nonetheless, they have interesting stories, interesting backgrounds. And being in college, like, you meet the most interesting people just because they're from all different backgrounds. So I want to go from, I mean, not like every little detail, but I want to go from kind of where you started to where you ended up and how you got from point A to point B. And right. obviously it wasn't a straight path for you. It was all over the place. No, it's kind of all over. Um, yeah, I'll give you like the short, the short story of it. Um, I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, mm-hmm. 1996. Um, spent about a year there. Um, well, prior to me being born in, in Johannesburg, my older brother Keenan was born in Cape Town. Um, and then we moved to Hong Kong in 97, right before it gained its independence from, um, from Britain. Um, and my little brother Tristan was born there. Um, I lived there for about six years. In Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, yeah. Okay. Um, Wait, so your background, I thought your, your background in South Africa was longer than that. So you, you don't obviously remember anything from, from South Africa. Not from that period, no. Right. I went back to visit many times to see you know my grandma and some family, but in terms of that small period of my You're life. For, you, I mean, no one yeah. remembers. <laughs> well, like, <laughs> the thing about Johannesburg, it's like probably up in the top five most dangerous cities on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. I think we're like number two for murder rates mm-hmm. and number four for rapes. That is so, number four for rapes. Yeah. Yeah, no so if you go late at night horrible. in Johannesburg, and you are a white boy or white girl, getting raped. <laughs> yeah, you're, that, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty there? accurate. So <laughs> is there like a curfew there, or is is it just kind of the purge, no, just free for all? It's pretty much a free for all. Yeah, outrageous. it's really it's really bad. But um, yeah, so after that, my dad said, you know, that's not. I'm not going to raise my kids in this. So, so wait, why was so? What originally led to your parents and your grandparents being in South Africa? Um, my great grandfather was a medic. Uh, during World War Two, mm-hmm. and um, after really? yeah he was, oh, um, and yeah. he had to um, you know obviously take care of Nazis right, which mm-hmm. he was not a fan of at all, mm-hmm. and was forced into, and um, he actually escaped with my grandmother, and uh, the thing about Namibia, which is where my where my dad grew up, it used to be a um, German colony. Um, known as German Southwest Africa. So there's a huge German influence there still to this day. And essentially what it is, it's just a bunch of German people hanging out in the desert, listening to techno music, doing this weird-ass <laughs> shit. Yeah, uh, doing some really thing. weird stuff. But it's a really cool, interesting place. Um, and so that's where my, my heritage is essentially from. Because before 
um, Namibia became Namibia, which is the country right up from South Africa, mm-hmm. it was part of South Africa. So it went mm-hmm. from German Southwest Africa to being owned by South Africa. So that South Africa was that much bigger country. Okay. And in the 70s, split in two. Right. Um, so Split into one being Namibia, Namibia one being and one being South, South Africa. Okay, okay. My dad went to college in South Africa, um, and then I I was born, and then we moved to Hong Kong. So he went to he went. To, I'm sorry. This is going. This isn't even going to your story yet. But like trying to figure out the base of where you're. Yeah, you need a little background. <laughs> you need a little background yeah, of like how they ended up there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he chose to go to college in South Africa. Or like, what was the reason that led him to being there? And yeah, uh, the the colleges in Namibia weren't great. Okay. Um, the University of Cape Town was was a, was a good school. Mm-hmm. He got a full ride. Got paid to go there. Mm-hmm. Um. So we just decided to go go down and live there, and then met my biological mother, and I was born. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so okay, let me try to sum that up. So your grandparents or your grandpa was there because of the fact that he was a medic in World War Two, uh, was stationed there, stayed there, and then I mean that's just origins of your family. Yep. Then father came along, went to college in Namibia, or no, lived in Namibia, went to college in South Africa. Yep. And then that's when you come in. Exactly. Okay, and then you lived in South Africa for one year, promptly after your 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 father moved to. Hong Kong. Yep. Stayed in Hong Kong for six years. Yep. Okay, so now that's where we are. So you're seven years old and you're in Hong Kong now. Yep. So let's keep going. <laughs> um, I remember my, I think we left like a week after my seventh birthday. I remember my seventh birthday vividly. It was on the beach. I got a submarine, like a remote control mm-hmm. submarine. And I threw a spear at my older brother. And then like a few few weeks later, we left um, to, to Switzerland. And one of the reasons was because back in 2002, 2003, um, Hong Kong underwent the SARS outbreak, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like a um, contagious form of bronchitis. Okay. SARS stands for um, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. So essentially, we'd have to wear masks at school when we were not allowed to touch the other kids. Well, you called it SARS? Yes. Severe acute respiratory severe. syndrome. Isn't that just CARS? Severe? Se- oh, as. Okay, okay. okay. Yes, yeah. I'm retarded. Severe <laughs> acute respiratory syndrome. Um, and um, yeah, so that's another reason that prompted our move away from Hong Kong was because I had developed bronchitis mm-hmm. and got really sick as a result, so the air wasn't great. So mm-hmm. my dad decided to do the complete opposite and move to place with some of the cleanest air on earth right so switzerland switzerland naturally yeah. naturally um and yeah. you know there's business opportunities it wasn't that he was just you know doing it willy-nilly right right yeah my your father's a smart man he yeah he, he knew he knew the the um the right move to make and we had we had uh the summer home out there for a while so that's what mm-hmm. we moved into mm-hmm. you know because we would kind of travel back in between hong kong and switzerland right and then decided to move out to switzerland full time so if okay so let's let's Dive a little bit more into the Hong Kong part. Is there yeah. anything that you think stood out the most from you know your time in Hong Kong? Yeah, like what um, distinguished that stay there uh, or the culture there or the people there? It's really cool. It's the thing about Hong Kong is not many not many people consider it China and that it's so Westernized and different. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a bunch of expats and white people mm-hmm. who are assimilating into Chinese culture. Right, um, Hong Kong is the business capital of China. Right, so. And before June of 1997 was a British protectorate. Mm-hmm. So everyone drives on the left-hand side of the road. You get McDonald's, you get KFC, you get all that kind of stuff. Right, right. 
Um, so it's essentially the two, like the east and the west, kind of converging in one spot, which is really interesting. I remember recently. I don't know how recent this was. But when they introduced drive-through at uh, in in China, yeah, I remember there was mass chaos. Just yeah. no one knew how it worked. What is this? They were confused, and mm-hmm. just just how densely populated places in China yeah. are. It was just it was it was a shit show. It was not going well. It does not. <laughs> I would not foresee that going well. I mean, they also. I think they also released like McDonald's delivery years before we even had really? it. Yeah. Well, they had like little, they had little scooters, right? Okay. Like McDonald's scooters, and they had yeah. the pouch in the back, and yeah, they yeah. Just zip around the city and deliver. So just McDonald's. like Chinese delivery boys out here. Pretty much, yeah. What but for McDonald's, prompted them to have delivery so much, so so, so much earlier than we did because we've had McDonald's way longer. I than think we've because had they longer. didn't have the drive-through. I think they were trying oh, to trying to substitute it. Yeah, trying to put in because obviously because it was so much more congested and mm-hmm, packed. Mm-hmm. I think that was their way of of tapping into that market. You know? So just scooting around on a scooter. Yep, trying to get people their McDonald's zipping around. Yeah, so interesting how different McDonald's is in different countries. Yeah, because every single McDonald's, um, depending on region, has certain certain types of food. Yep, uh, I, th- I forgot who it was. Someone said they had gone to Ireland and uh, I forgot what it was, but there was something that just stood out. Um, when probably I went, potatoes. Probably that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> probably a lot. Of um, when I when I went to uh, Dubai, they had McDonald's, which was shocking because I mean I assumed everything there would be halal. Or, yeah. You know, <laughs> they they wouldn't have like McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that would be a thing there. But we went there and they everything was just whole, it was just a halal McDonald's. Yep. And I shit you not, it was just so I feel like the quality of the food at that airport at that McDonald's was so much better. It just yeah. felt better. I don't know why. But Dubai, Dubai has their uh, has that oil money, so they know they probably know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah. Um, okay, so where are we at? We're at you're seven, and now you're going from Hong Kong to Switzerland. Yep. Okay, so let's keep going there. Yeah, um, I we grew up in this tiny town in the Alps called Anzer, which is in the the southern southern part, right above of uh, Italy, mm-hmm. and um, it's a completely Caucasian Catholic christian town mm-hmm. right and there was not a single per like black person or um chinese person or spanish person everybody was white right mm-hmm. and if you weren't that particular way you were kind of considered an outsider oh. right yeah. that's the thing with the swiss they oh, kinda... what's the what's the population of so i mean at the time what do you think the population of that was? town yeah um, probably pretty small pretty small i'd say yeah. a couple thousand because um was it the Heffler? He went to Iceland, and yeah. he was saying how when he went to Iceland, very similar in in a kind of ideals and the culture and what yeah. that, when just how things were there was that it was such a small population of people that they were very kind of enclosed in their people. Like it exactly. was just them, their community, and any form of outsider was just wrong to them. Like yeah. it didn't feel like they belonged. It's there. kind of like a threat. You know? Yeah, yeah. Basically, like even though they weren't, they weren't outrightly viewing it as a threat as a kind of a subconscious threat yeah, right? yeah. that it was disturbing their normal mm-hmm. way of life right? they're kind of so intruding their three South African kids show up who can't speak a lick of French oh, you know like that it was it was a weird experience it took a, took them a long time to warm up to us and kind of welcome us but so okay so at this point then how many languages did you know or like I, did, you, did you were you able to fluently speak or at least speak some form of Chinese when you were in Hong I was Kong? I was in the begin. Well, the thing with Hong Kong, obviously, they had that huge British influence. So mm-hmm. where I went oh, to okay. school, it, it was, was mainly like taught English in English. Okay, but we did have Mandarin and Cantonese classes. Right. But by the time um, I left, it was it was too early in my education 
to okay. really to learn, learn the language, okay. right? And I was like, I'm going to give up on this. I'm like, okay. there's no way. I, I don't really that. need it. Anymore. Chinese is an extremely complicated language. It's ridiculous. Language. Um, you know what's crazy is that there's so many, there's also so many countries and because uh, historically speaking, like I have so much family in Bangladesh who have all gone to English premium school. Like they don't go yeah. to schools like in Bengali. Yeah. And there isn't any other, con- like there isn't any other language where there's school just for that language. Yeah. Like you don't go to China, you don't go to, to the US and go to a school just that's just Chinese. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, English is just the the main language. I don't. Yep, it's just it's crazy. applicable everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, makes sense to to use and teach it, but uh, except for in this small town. <laughs> yeah. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody spoke French, and I didn't speak any of it. Right. So we kind of had to learn as we went along. Mm-hmm. You know, the first few months were difficult because I couldn't really speak to people. I mean, you were only seven at the time too, yeah. so that was, that was a difficult. Because I feel at that point in time, you're already kind of past that 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 easy stage of being able to pick up any language without issue. Yeah. Because uh, my little sister, like, just in my household in general, we grew up in a bilingual household. Mm-hmm. And from the ages of one to five or six, like, you, don't th- you don't think about it when you're mm-hmm. learning two languages. In my house, it would be speaking Bengali at home, English outside or from the TV or when we're talking to, you know, people who aren't Bengali, it wasn't something we thought about. We just did it. But by the time you're six or seven, I feel as though you start thinking about it before you do it. So a language is, you can define it as a language. Whereas beforehand, for my little sister at least, I feel as though it's just the way of life or just noises to her. She's just making the right noises at the right time and it's working and she's communicating. There's a clear distinction between the different languages. Yeah, I know this language to begin with this is very different and foreign, I have to learn this now, right? Yeah. Instead of, like, this is kind of ingrained into my family yeah. life and automatically... I, you just kind I of absorb it. it. You're just like a sponge. Yeah, exactly. The um, mind is just so permeable at that at that young age. My sister yeah. picks up everything. It's honestly astonishing. Yeah. So so at the point of one through seven, what were your primary languages? You just spoke English at that time? English, and my dad would, would teach me little parts of German here and there. Mm-hmm. Just because he didn't want to throw so much at me at one point, right. he wanted me to know one language, get the get, get that just a bit, know, like really yeah, know exactly. that language. So at least you know something instead of just half ass of everything, yeah. <laughs> and then you can't exactly. really do anything with any of it. Yeah. So you know, it's jack just... of all trades, master of none, kind of applies to languages right. really well. Right. You know? But um, yeah, he wanted me to master English first, and then I mean, makes I, sense. When we moved to Switzerland, it was like I was forced. Mm-hmm. to learn this language because otherwise I wouldn't be able to learn mm-hmm. or move on or meet friends or do anything really because you know the language barrier is, is so pampering if mm-hmm. you if you don't know the language because you can't connect to other people you can't read you know important signs like you don't know where to go you don't right. know what to do I mean you're just lost exactly yeah so so how long did it take you to learn French at this point I think fluently about a year Really? Yeah. That's pretty. I mean, considering you were engulfed or yeah, you're just pushed into in it. it. You forced yeah. to to just absorb and learn it every day, right? It's as if like you were taken and plunked in Germany, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody spoke English. I have English. no other options. You'd, I have to do you'd it. You have to be. You'd have and to I, force every because I tried learning and I gave up pretty quickly. I tried learning a little bit of Japanese over the summer. And I told you about this. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, it's if you strange. don't have a reason to learn it, you really don't want to learn it. Or yeah. it takes a lot longer because mm-hmm. you're not really just in it all the time. Uh, but the thing is, the I used an app called Memorize, um, and the app was so good just because of the fact that every day you just spend five to ten minutes going over all the the little vowels, sayings, right. words. 
And by putting myself in that position of it's always there, I learned so much faster. Like I just memorized those things so much faster. Yeah. So that that app is really good, and uh, I guess they're using it again, honestly. Duolingo is fantastic. They're actually working on a lot. I love that app. They're working on a lot more languages too now. Yeah. When it originally came out, they only had I think three or four languages, but now it's it's it, I think it's open source, and they're making more and more lessons for more and more languages every single month. It's a fantastic app. Yeah. I've used it to practice my French, to practice German. It's it's a really good app. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was difficult. Um, and when you're that young, like, you're just constantly absorbing things, right? Yeah. So, like, think of think of your brain as a, as a memory chip, right? Mm-hmm. Like a 16 or 32 gig memory mm-hmm. chip. By the time you're an adult, you're hitting 30, 31 gigs, right? <laughs> um, when you're a kid, you're here in the 6 or 7 gigs range, right? So, yeah, you, you have all space. that space in there to just kind of absorb the world around you. And that's why it was a lot easier for me to... To learn it, it's kind of just a fast track mm-hmm. kind of program. So, yeah, um, that town is really interesting. The thing with the Swiss is, as we all know, they're really they're neutral pretty much in everything. Yeah, right? and they kind of yeah, close their borders really off. Really and any war or anything like that. Exactly. So both geographically and you know theoretically and in, in a mindset as well, they close themselves off to mm-hmm. outsiders as well. So unless you're showing up to the hotels, to the restaurants, paying the absurd prices and, and you know, paying for the hotels, they don't want you there, right? Right. They they have this the kind of a conservative mindset in that if it works, we're going to keep it that way, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of kind of closed off to having new ideas. I don't really like making generalizations, but from my own experience. Right. I mean, it goes back to the, the anecdote I was saying about Iceland. I think it's just because of the fact that it's such a small community of yeah. people no matter what a certain minority may want, right. the majority is not going to want people to come in. Again, they're going to yeah. be seeing it as a threat. On top of that, I'm assuming that most of the people in Switzerland are the older generation, um, at that time at least, uh, who were at the time with you know so much stuff happening around the world. Yeah. They just looked at everything and was like, nah, nah like we don't we don't want any of that. We, we don't want, want a part of that. Yeah, there's so much crazy, crazy things happening in the world. They're like, you know what, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. Mm-hmm. So... They have a weird mindset, but you know there there are still some very nice people that I met there mm-hmm. that helped me out a lot. But it was funny, like my best friends weren't any of the Swiss; they're the foreign kids. Right, like I all, mean, all us foreign kids will hang out. I had a friend from Spain; his name was Dylan. Dylan, really, really, really cool dude. His mom, his grandma liked to smoke sausage, and it was really good <laughs> sausage, chorizo, like like traditional Spanish chorizo. She would smoke it in in you know, in the back of her house. It was just amazing, right? And then I had a Jamaican-British friend named Elijah. Jamaican-British friend. Yeah. His dad was, like, he was, like, full-on Rasta, had these dreadlocks, uh-huh. and he had this, like, Cockney-British accent. It threw me off every time. <laughs> I wonder what his origin story is. Man, that must be interesting. Yeah. It's so... Oh, that's random. Yeah. It's it's so it's so weird how, how people kind of get thrown into... Everything. Just like when, when when people ask like whenever I tell them about my backstory mm-hmm. and then I tell them I live in Oyster Bay or like Long Island they're like why Long Island well like I've, I've talked to my mom about about your background and I didn't really go into too much detail but I kind of just talked about I mean like what your parents do your you know where you were born where you've kind of been just very very vague generalizations and she just looked at me and went like how do you know this kid you shouldn't know this kid it doesn't make sense because <laughs> I mean my background is so simple hmm my background is is uh, I was just born and raised in New York, and that's about it. I, you know, first generation immigrant. My parents if were I were to go back and do it all, 
I would, would you do I, it again? Or would I wouldn't do it again. You wouldn't do it again? Uh, I mean, I'm not really I, one I, to have one regret. Because see, like that's that's the thing that a lot of people want to do is I would not would rather this or this. yeah, you're right. You're it's it's as soon as you make that one change, you could just change everything. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. entire timeline changes. I think a huge part of who I am is because, is because of, this background. of that background. Yeah. But I would have to I have to acknowledge the fact that now that I'm starting to develop roots for the first time, living mm-hmm. in the U.S. is the longest I've ever lived mm-hmm. anywhere, right? right? And I'm starting to really develop roots somewhere. Yeah. Know the locals and the community and stuff, and every time it was a really annoying thing. You'd finally start to like make friends and Mm -hmm. really belong somewhere, and then plucked right out from that and put in a brand new environment. Hey, start over again, right? Right. Um, And I think that it's as a young child, I think it's really important for them to feel a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and have people to rely on around them. You know. Right, that definitely changed your attitude, just who you are as a person, just because at that time, I feel like you're probably just lost, like, dazed and confused yeah. all the time. Well, like... Well, at, this, at this point, you definitely don't want that move to happen. I mean, you're old enough to live on your own, so at this point, it doesn't... I think your decisions are your decisions. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, yeah, getting picked up and just put somewhere else, it, it especially to a kid who's just trying to figure things, who's just, like, for the first time trying to figure things out, that has to be... That has to fuck with you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough, but... You know, it was pretty cool in, in Switzerland. Like, I didn't have that many friends, but mm-hmm. I developed a real awesome relationship with nature, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, I wouldn't play video games at all, watch TV. Mm-hmm. I would leave, like, in the morning and be outside all day, like, you know, hanging out with the cows, climbing trees, <laughs> you know, like, cows. <laughs> you know, hiking, camping. I would do all that shit outside and then come home and, and go to sleep, you know? And, like, it was my love of the outdoors and nature was is very yeah, comes from that. comes from that yeah. it probably also had a very large impact on your your cardio capabilities because even though you yeah. recently at least haven't been working out consistently you're like doing lots of cardio like you do cardio every once in a while but yeah. your cardio is pretty damn good versus like the average person yeah i think it's, it's i think it's because of that yeah, when i was outside yeah. as a kid just, you know I was, we, we were always around. moving around running yeah. around doing some something you know we weren't stationary right you know always doing something but um yeah like that and then the transition to the u.s was was strange so you're at switzerland at seven so when did you when was the move from switzerland to the u.s um right before my 13th birthday 12 going on 13 that summer six years there yeah right around five six years there okay what we would do is i would fly back and forth between the U.S. and Switzerland at that time. So mm-hmm. I wasn't living and I had still visited, right? Mm-hmm. And I came to visit my dad. So we, I was uh, flying unaccompanied minor, you know, a few times a year. Um, wait, 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 wait. Backtrack a little bit. So yeah. you were just on the plane alone? At with 30- my brothers, yeah. Okay, with your brothers, yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, your oldest brother was what at the time? He was still, what, maybe 15, 16? Yeah. Well, That's still really young, but just... Hop on a plane. No, we were before that. We started. I think we started flying when I was around nine or ten. Alone? Yeah. yeah That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't do that alone. I would get. That's lost why they have life. those programs, unaccompanied minor programs, right? What is? What do you mean? So unaccompanied minor is. Um, I used to think when my dad used to say, "Alex, you're flying un- unaccompanied mm-hmm. minor." I thought he said undercompanied minor as a minor who mines ore. <laughs> I'm like, what is? What are you talking about? <laughs> What is this undercompanied minor? <laughs> but um, yeah, they have those programs set up that kids can go and fly and have somebody, you know, chaperone oh, so like them along you, the way. Kind of like helps you, yeah. helps you get I knew, from I started, point we started to know the stewardesses by name, by first name, okay. right? Like, 
Mm, I wonder if that had an impact on your ability to get women. <laughs> I don't know. Probably maybe. did, honestly. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> From a young age, just talking to hot like air, air, airline like stewardesses, mm, just probably. being like, "Hey, like, can you uh, can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> can you give me some <laughs> applesauce? <laughs> <laughs> can you put my milk in the microwave?" <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was, and then eventually, like you, you get used to it. Like you learn how to how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty self-explanatory how to travel. Like you show up to I mean, your yeah, gate. It's, it's it's not that, in, that difficult. But go to the gate that's on your on your ticket and walk through, and then find your gate, sit down, get on the plane. It's but it's, it's not the the getting from you know home to the airport to the flight. It's the fact that if something happens, like if yeah. the flight gets delayed. If if there's an issue, it's yeah. like you're you're still a child. Like mm-hmm. no matter how much experience you've had, you know, flying alone, yeah. like you wouldn't. It's a new situation that you wouldn't. Yeah, there are a lot of times as an adult that when a situation changes, when there's an unexpected occurrence, mm-hmm. you know how to react to that. Right. You know how to change your stance. But when you're younger, you don't, you don't know how you to don't adapt know how. as well. Yeah. You know. But I think that a huge part of my life is being able to adapt. Right. Right. Every time we move, like I had to adapt. adapt. Right. It was, that's a way of being a human. Yeah, that exactly. Is adapting. So, um, definitely yeah, gives you skills that most other people do not have, or yeah. you know, will not get. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that experience. As, as tough and annoying as it was, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for the uh, the experience and the skills I got from it as a result. But yeah, I think going back to because I'm thinking about this now. Going back to you know how people always will tell you that your your story's crazy and it's cool. Yeah, I think they think of it as just just traveling like the travel aspect of yeah. it like being in different parts of the world and yeah. being there but not it, taking it was, into account I mean you were in different parts of right. the world and stuff but not taking into account that you were a child yeah. you know what I mean yeah. that you were just there, eh, to me like, there really wasn't there anything cool about it it was just yeah. it's the same it's the same as if it was here same kind of feeling but mm-hmm. just in a different part of the yeah. world right because like, as a kid you're not thinking of it as different parts of the world you basically yeah. have an understanding of how to eat <laughs> exactly like, like to you you're just somewhere else now yeah. it's not like oh I'm in Switzerland this is this is awesome yeah. like, the Alps and stuff or I was like, oh, oh, I'm in the fucking mountains yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like wait why am I here Who put, why would you put me here <laughs> yeah I'm confused what do I do <laughs> yeah it's, it's, that's really what I was thinking <laughs> okay yeah. so from 13 on then you've been in the US in the US yeah okay so been seven years yeah huh. that was okay. probably one of the weirder transitions because well it wasn't weird I think it was the easiest because I had I had a lot of practice and uh, I mean you already knew English too yeah I mean the US is very helpful well, well, where did you originally move in the US was uh, the first Oyster Bay Oyster Bay yeah oh, okay look at yeah. that so you're pretty close to New York and yeah. I think uh, probably one of the best places to be if you're someone who's coming from somewhere outside of the US yeah. it's because how diverse it is there's how many people there which are which is very different very different. Yeah, I, I, it's understandable. It, like the whole, like the whole melting pot of New York was it's a insane. very new thing to me. It's insane, and I loved it. I, I absolutely love it. I don't know anyone personally that has been from you know that has come to the U.S. or has come to New York specifically and go, "This isn't crazy or this isn't cool." And yeah. I feel as though if you're from New York, you kind of undervalue it. Yeah. Because me being from New York, I always thought it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like yep. New York, I get it, it's a city. And then as soon as my parents moved up to Long Island, I realized like, damn, like the, I miss the city. Like yep. there's so much going on there. And every time I go back to the city, you go, you know, five minutes from, you go to like from Flushing to Jackson Heights, you mm-hmm. can walk that uh, if you really wanted to. And you go straight from like like a small China of just like like Korean people, Chinese people, um, 
and literally everything there is oriented, you know, to them. Yeah. All the stores are owned by them, and it's just like their areas, their community. Mm-hmm. And you walk five minutes, and then you got like the Indian community, yep. and it's like they're just stationed there, just yep. chilling there. Uh, one of the best ways to sum it up is I remember I was watching a, a Vice documentary, I think, about uh, all these Chinese people who had moved to New York and gone to Chinatown and just stayed there. Like they didn't go anywhere else, yeah. and they're like, "This is this is good. This is okay with us." Yeah, it's a small community with a larger foreign world you know which is really which is a really cool part of new york so yeah it's really interesting so yeah. the demographics of new york definitely helped that move um, yeah but it was but definitely weird it was you. weird you know a lot of times when you go to a foreign country there's all this hype around it right mm-hmm. and a lot of the time it doesn't live up to that hype mm-hmm. the thing with the u.s and new york specifically it lived up to that hype and more and mm-hmm. blew it out of the water right like a huge you know when you're around 10 to 12 to 13 you kind of transition into a whole new, broader scope of absorbing things yeah. and experiencing things. You're a teenager now, right? So you're starting to see PG-13 movies, and you're starting to see all these different things. That coincided with me moving to the U.S., right? So I, I was flooded with all this new type of shit. Right. Like I had never had hot dog like hot dog before or a corn dog before. That's so New York. Or hot dog. saw <laughs> all these different movies or ever had a peanut butter jelly sandwich. All this different type of shit was all thrown at me at once. Sandwiches? Nope. Like, <laughs> None of the other places you've been. Yeah, to. like my my grandma was. She was on my mom's side. She was spreading this peanut butter. And I was alright. I've had peanut butter before. You know that's normal. Mm-hmm. And then and she, she grabbed the jelly. other slice and she throws jelly. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, and then she went, "What you doing, grandma? <laughs> Put them together." I'm like, <laughs> and then she threw a glass of milk on the table, and I was forever in love. Forever in love. Dude, Never you mean Jay and milk? It's the go-to. It is. It's the go-to. It is. It is amazing. It's a staple. Of, uh, honestly, it's a staple of New York City kid uh, public school lunches. Yep. I, I, I don't know if you've been to a school that gives you that lunch, but yep. I remember I always went to public school, and every single day, they had like they had some stuff that was okay. Like everyone, like Fridays were pizza. Yeah. It was shitty pizza, but it was, it was pizza. Okay, yeah. It was pizza, like the little round ones. Um, but they'd always have PB&J and milk. Uh, no what, on every day, no all the time, because yeah. no matter what, it's so easy. Yeah, there's somebody that's gonna be like, so easy. Like, I'll, I'll just, just do that. feed a kid oh. with with three ingredients. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's so easy. But it was it was a really strange experience when I like, especially for lunches for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have lunch for the first week because the whole cafeteria thing was like completely foreign to me. In Switzerland, you take you'd have a break. Okay. So like our days are much longer, right? So you'd start around like eight in the morning and you would leave at like four or five in the afternoon. But in between, you had like an hour and a half, two hour break. So you get on the bus back home, have your lunch, and then come back. Then come back. That's interesting. And our bus ride was a half hour. Because, like, where I went to school, like, where I grew up, my Mm -hmm. town was way up in the mountains on a ski resort, actually. Mm -hmm. And then our town was all the way down, like, half an hour away down these long, windy roads down the side of the mountain, right? So. We had to take a bus all the way down. What made them implement that? So that's a weird system of putting blades. The, the uh, Swiss understood that, like that part of the day and and lunch and being able to be home for that mm-hmm. was extremely important. You know, you could take care of a lot of things. You get your homework done. You can be with your mom and dad. You can, like that's a it's a very important part of of Swiss culture is eating with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like nowadays. Lunch in America is never eaten with family most of the time no, no, during the work not, hours. No. You're either at school or you're at work. Yeah. Right? And so they didn't want to take away from that. Mm-hmm. So we would have to take the bus back. And then so you were like I showed like up. 12 ish at the time or like yeah, some, somewhere right around there. that age. 
So, but did they have a bus system for you to go? We back took the home? public bus. Public, okay, public bus. Yeah, um, it was. I've had some of the scariest experiences on that bus because you would have to. There was this big public bus, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in the middle of winter, you would have to ride that ride that bus all the way down the side of a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. So the extremely steep slopes, all windy. Right, like you look down on the right, and like it's one of those feelings. Like if we fall uh, down there, yeah, we're you're fucked. Screwed. Like we're, right, we're dead. This so is... he would have to throw chains on the tires, which oh, would take man. like half an hour to an hour. So whenever we would show up in the middle of winter late, the teachers would kind of understand because they knew the oh, bus driver would have yeah. to throw the chains on the tires. You know, um, so like going back to lunch, I would show up to the cafeteria and I'm like I don't know the system, I don't know anyone <laughs> here, and if I ask somebody, I'm gonna look like an idiot. So I just sat. Right. You just didn't eat. Yeah. That's rough. I didn't eat. That's rough. And I didn't use my locker, cause that whole like fucking locker thing where do you go past the zero once, then, twice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I had to have a teacher open it for me for a while. It was brutal. Right. Um, it was brutal. But yeah, I figured it out and I started getting the hang of it. And then one of my best friends in the world, Josh, mm-hmm. he was like one of the first dudes that like walked up to me and was like, "Hey, what's up? I know you're new here. I'm oh, Josh." That's... Right? Interesting. That's how you met him. Yeah. So was this at when you were like 13, 14 years old? Yeah. Thirteen. I think I was like okay. right before my thirteenth birthday. Yeah. I mean, that has a huge impact on how you think about a person because that just that shows just how great of a you know guy he is. Yeah. Well, like you, you're kind of taking a leap of faith. Yeah. You know. Like I don't know this kid. I don't know what kind of rep he has. I don't know that if I'm not sure that if I hang out with him, if my rep will be damaged. Mm-hmm. I don't know this guy at all, mm-hmm. you know, from, from my left ass cheek, but I'm going to take a leap of faith and and introduce myself and, and welcome him, right? and which every, is really cool. Everyone at that age, like in middle school, is just little demons. Little, uh, you, know, you do anything uh, that's different or you do something and you go to talk with this. Like, they were so clicky. Like, yep. the definition of being clicky was in middle shit. school. Yep. Everyone had their little groups. Yep. They would talk shit about all the other little groups. It was, it was, and it was, it was just not... I remember how... how just cunty people were at that time it was just the worst they destroyed me it was brutal because i was i was very i'm short now yeah i was way very back. short back in that day right and i love the color green right so i wear green a lot mm-hmm. so then the eighth grade girls started talking right is alex a leprechaun i don't know <laughs> i think i think we should make that a nickname for him because that is really nice oh, and not mean at all oh, right? leprechaun. so oh, like man. all the girls have called me leprechaun which is fine you know i'm, I'm over it now but uh, back in eighth grade, obviously you're so self conscious, right? Especially I mean, when you move to a new yeah. country, yeah. like you move to a new place, when everybody like you and, be- and feel like you belong, and then they're just calling you leprechaun. You're like, um, mm. all right, that didn't work out. This isn't going <laughs> this well. This isn't going well. At all. <laughs> but um, yeah, it it was it was fine. I mean, I met some really really good friends. You know, um, it was different. You know how I said in Switzerland, how us foreign kids kind of mm-hmm. only hung out. No, it was this is one of those that broke US. that narrative where I was starting to hang out with kids from the U S. From the U S. and they were strong and welcome you there, that's right. like the perfect example of what the u.s is yep. right there yep all right so finally yeah, this is most of the podcast done we got through your entire little history there yeah. so i'm gonna go back to the, the airline stewardess thing and talk about your history mm. with, <laughs> which checks out here because that's your fun fact <laughs> um so because you were in so many different places like how, how when did you first try to interact with a, a chick like with a girl and and her name was jessica her name was oh like from Rick and Morty. <laughs> just 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 <laughs> um, her name is Jessica. She was this um, she was actually a, an American girl in Hong Kong. Right. So her parents were American. Okay. Um, very kind of similar to like my parents kind of background. Mm-hmm. Um, Wall, Wall Street brokers, right? Wall okay. Street stockbrokers. 
I went from New York to Hong Kong, right, to find mm-hmm. to open a business, right. So they took their kid with them, and she kind of started molding my perception of America from a very young age, right. Which, like so was, she she had lived in America and then yeah. went went to Hong yeah. Kong. So like okay. meeting her kind of started to make me think about America, right? Like my, my first dreams of just my, like, yeah. She put me images of just like. Oh, so she had that American land. accent. She had like that somewhat dirty blonde hair. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like I was hooked. From the hair. <laughs> um, yeah, she was really cool. Um, well, she seemed really cool. She ended up being a complete bitch, <laughs> but nonetheless, she did kind of she she started molding my perception of the U.S. You know. That's that's cool. That's cool because not only was she your first interaction with a girl, she also kind of was your gateway to the to the Americas. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, but um, I don't know. The thing with the stewardesses is they they thought like uh, for some reason stewardesses love babies and and like little kids. Mm-hmm. So like that's what I'm telling you. I'm they, telling you those stewardesses they molded you to be the man you want. I think I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They uh they definitely they show a lot of love. They're nice stewardesses. Very nice. Yeah. This is back in the day when they were the hot ones. I feel like they're just the same stewardesses from back then today. They just yeah. been there the, the entire time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, that was a really cool part of, of my life. I think what we would do is, um, you know, those like those meals they give you on the on the plane. Those yeah, airplane yeah, meals, yeah. those overnight ones. They with the kids, they would always give like this little watch, right? This mm-hmm. little digital watch, the shittiest digital watch you you Yeah, but you're as a little kid, you're like what I would like, do is I I'd collect them, I'd hoard them, and then I'd sell them at school. <laughs> And I'd make huge profits. Businessman mentality. It was it was great. I was making like I was selling them for three four dollars a pop, right? How Which, many did you have? I had like twenty. How would you get twenty? You just, you, had, so you were just like hoarding stealing them. them when you were well, like there. I would steal them oh, from just, the other people oh, too. Oh, okay, okay. Like they didn't want them, and, and so like, oh, I got it. and the okay. students as well would give me like they'd go and like find the extra ones and they just bring it to us because they knew that like oh, I loved them. Oh, right? okay. So then I'd sell them to my friends, and I like made like eighty bucks, right? To uh, a, to like a small that's a kid, that's money. a lot of fucking that's a money. Lot of, that's breaking the bank yeah, right it was there. Great. Um, if you had five dollars back then, you'd be like, "Oh, Leon Ballman." Yep. And then, and then what we did was in Hong Kong. There's this huge market for airsoft guns. Huge, mm-hmm. massive. So we went to Hong Kong. Guns. Used that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just really shittily <laughs> made like airsoft guns, right? So we bought a fucking arsenal of like airsoft guns, okay. right? Like the we just use that we use that exchange rate to our advantage, right? Um, what was the exchange rate at that time? I think it was like it was? one to six or something like that. That's I don't remember. It wasn't that bad, but yeah. like it was still it was still good. Um, and then we so we bring an extra suitcase, and I filled my entire suitcase with all these guns. I don't know how I got through security. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was I mean, it was probably before nine eleven. Think right, yeah, probably right before nine eleven. They probably didn't. It, it wasn't as big of a deal to stuff like that back then. Yeah. yeah, but like it wasn't really between the U.S. and Switzerland. It was between Hong Kong, Hong Kong and Switzerland, okay, right? Okay. So that wasn't really affected. Okay, no so wonder. we bring all these guns back, and then us, all the foreign kids had the airsoft guns. Nobody would fuck with us, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I would continue this this, uh, this watch thing, you know. <laughs> Sell my watches <laughs> to my friends. Um, I, I later on continued another form of this business, which got me in a lot of trouble. The, the, Vegas, the Vegas, the stripper The Vegas right? stripper yeah, cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, oh, the dollar one. is still it's six point five three Chinese yuan, so it's still consistently the same. Look uh, at uh, Hong Kong dollar. What's the difference between a Chinese yuan yeah. versus a Hong Kong? Is there a difference? There's. What is the difference? I don't. It's just region. Hong Kong dollar. What is the Hong Kong dollar called? Called yeah. Called. It's called the Hong Kong dollar. Oh, it's really just. <laughs> it's called the Hong Kong. <laughs> no. 
Uh, it's seven point eight three to one U.S. dollar. Okay, so it went up. Okay, so it went up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we had a little, little airsoft gun racket going on. So what did you do with the airsoft gun? Um, we just shoot animals. <laughs> we just shoot cows and the cow go. <laughs> and then that was it. Wait, so did you get them back? Did you go to the cow and then pick the, the bullets back up? No, you just bought a bunch of little pellets. Oh, you had the BB guns? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. BBs. Well, that's fucked up. You should stop shooting cows with BB guns. It didn't hurt that much. <laughs> The, you cows, that. the cows fuck each, up all, fuck each other up all day with their horns. That's true. That's true. But, you know, um, I'm starting to make myself look like this. <laughs> this, like, international airsoft arm smuggler. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was... I think the funnier story is definitely the stripper card one, though. Yeah, the stripper... It's just the fact that there was so much demand from, from people to it buy it. Was it was crazy. Like, we, we went boys. to, we went to Vegas, and I'm not sure if you, don't, if you know anything about Vegas, but... Um, the gentlemen's clubs and the strip strip clubs are heavily advertised there, really yeah. heavily. So they have these these dudes out on the street holding these cards with like naked women essentially on them mm-hmm. with the with the um, you know contact information on the strip club and the address and how to get there and shit. Right. right. And they would slap them and then like try and give them out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So these things were all over the floor. Everywhere. People just picking like just getting them and dropping them. They just yeah they pick like you know how like you get a flyer yeah, 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 from yeah. somebody and you're just like I don't want this I don't flyer. Know, I don't I'm just kind of fun. The, the, the other day, funny story is the other day this guy he walked up to me and I was just sitting on a bench. He walks up to me and he doesn't try to convince me to take the card. He just goes, "Do you want a piece of paper?" And I looked at him and I didn't want to say. No. I was just like, yeah, you know, sure, why not? And that's how he got me to take his flyer. There you go. That was a pretty good. Yeah, that was a pretty efficient Do way to get it done. Piece of paper. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I guess why not? <laughs> yeah. But um, so like my parents would walk ahead, right? Mm-hmm. And we went on on trip with them for my brother's, oh my older brother's sixteenth birthday, and we, my little brother and I, Tristan, were like collecting these left and right, picking them up, right? Because we were horny little prepubescent fucks. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I took them all back to school, and I started showing my friends in New York, right? Mm-hmm. This was at the cafeteria, right? So I was well acquainted with the cafeteria now. Had my little cafeteria group, you know, everyone has their own yeah, little yeah, table. Yeah, that yeah. Everybody sits in the same fucking table every year. All the so time. I had my every little day. group. And then, so they were really intrigued by this, by the by these cards. Mm-hmm. So they started texting their friends, "Yo, Alex Black, he's got some naked lady cards. <laughs> <You got> some- <laughs> come through, right?" So all these, some naked so lady these guys would come through, right? And then I would sell these cards for very small amounts of money, mainly just to buy food from the cafeteria, right? Like you know, it they works. Have, they had really good French fries. I really want French fries. So. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I started. Wait, really those. quick. Do you think there's a distinction between French fries on a Union France in Switzerland? But that doesn't really. Never mind. <laughs> I, keep going. I mean, they're they're different. They're different. Well, like, what do you think the distinction is? I think the ones in the French fries that we know them as mm-hmm. are, especially in like the um, fast food places. Yeah, they're much smaller and thinner. Yeah, right. Whereas the ones in France are they're wider. And like they're actually like hand cut and so, like, the they're crin- larger. The crinkled ones. They're larger. Thicker. They got girth. Yeah, they got they got the girth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, what happened was um, the principal found out, and she was this great lady called Miss Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. She was like this, like, I don't need no man kind of <laughs> snaps, like attitude kind of lady, you know. Um, she was really great, and she sat me down in her office. She said, "Alex, give me the card, number one. <laughs> First <laughs> number two, one. your mom is being called." Uh, Either by you oh or no. me. You decide. <laughs> oh, so no. I pick up the phone and I call my mom like, so mom. So how old were you here? Like, I think I was like 
I was 14 at the time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so, weird. It was weird. That was weird. a weird conversation to have. It's, it, so yeah. I was just uh, handing out naked lady cards. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I got in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah. My dad, my dad yelled at me for it first, but he secretly I feel like he loved it. it. He secretly <laughs> loved it because he, he, he saw that like he's like, oh, this kid's taking advantage of a of a high demand commodity. I like it. I like yeah, it, yeah. You know? Um, especially naked women. My dad, secretly, lost, not that much secretly, is a huge perv. <laughs> no, sure, I think no, you experienced I, no, that when I, you met her, right? The first, time <laughs> I met, the first time I met your dad, I remember sitting down by like the fireplace, yeah. and uh, we're talking about you know my history for a little bit, and then we start talking about how you guys were going to go to uh, Disney for the half marathon, Yeah. and then he, he goes, I think I'm going to dress up as Aladdin, and then just go up to women and say, rub my belly. <laughs> and I was like, I just met you. <laughs> like... <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. You're my friend's dad, and I have no clue what to tell you about this right now. <laughs> you don't know how to react. He catches people off guard because he comes off as this very like well poised, very well put together dude. Yeah, but then he says something like that. You have like, a couple what? glasses of wine with him, and he he just throws out all the raunchiness. It all comes out, and it's great. My mom hates it, but he really loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my my naked naked lady. Trading card story business, Scare business, great business. I did that. I, I did something similar, and not the not the same. But honestly, what I sold was way dumb. I don't know why people wanted it. So they had these like uh, they have them a lot now. You know those little like like little ball the, the things that grow in water. So it's basically those. It's yeah. the same the same material, but they're just like little like those things that expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, they're just like little like balls. Right. Um, and you put them in water, and if you leave them, they'd go. They'd grow like probably the size of like a handball, mm. or no, a little, a little less than that. Mm. Um, like very large marbles. Okay. But they were soft, so it was like fun to just chuck them at people. Right. And I got a lot from from Bang- uh, from Bangladesh, and I think I'd spent the equivalent of maybe like two to three dollars to get them. Right. But I'd gotten a couple dozen packets of them and I was just giving them for like a dollar to people. Right. So I think I made like Ooh, 40, 50 bucks. That's pretty nice. But then eventually people were like, what's the, what's the point of this? I'm like, I don't know, you guys are the ones that bought it. This is not me. <laughs> Said no refund policy. Yeah. That's funny. Huh. I feel like everyone has those little businesses yeah. when they're when they're at that age. Or at least uh, the, the, the quote unquote entrepreneur types. Yep. Cause I remember one of my friends at the time. Uh, he he was actually this was in middle school, I think seventh grade. He actually had a very efficient like like chocolate. Like he would just be selling chocolate, really chocolate bars. Yeah, and he was like a pretty good. Like he was probably making like 30, 40 bucks a day just selling chocolate bars. What? Yeah, like he him and his parents would would go out. They would well, make them. They would help. No, no, they wouldn't make. Them. He bought like just Hershey's chocolate bars. Okay. Or like or Snickers or something. Right. Like, like every day would be something different. Right. And he'd buy, like, the bulk packages where it comes out to maybe 30, 40 cents, like, a chocolate bar. Like, it was really cheap. Right. And he would just sell them for a dollar, which isn't, like, a bad, like, a dollar for a chocolate bar. like a regular price. That's right. probably how much it would be, or it would be more in the vending machine. And and every single day, he would sell out an entire box of wow. 20 to 40 so I'm assuming bars. I'm assuming your school didn't really have vending machines. We did, but they didn't have any good snacks. Like, they okay. had, like, Welch's fruit snacks for 75 cents. And everyone's like, why would I pay 75 cents for this? That's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, smart. You know, there's, you know, scarcity is a is a great, great thing to use. And the thing, the best thing on top of that is the fact that he was selling them to the teachers, too. Oh, shit. Yeah, it wasn't just, like, he was selling them to students. Like, the teachers knew that he was selling them, and they were like, oh, like, I, I can't have two today. And and like no one got mad at him because it was just chocolate. It wasn't anything that anyone would get in trouble for. He's he's selling happiness. Yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't want who doesn't want chocolate? Hmm. 
Me and people go to chocolate. Chocolate's so good. It's so good. I want chocolate now. I had actually I had Swiss chocolate when I was at uh, Coco's house the other day. And mm. it, was, it was so. Yeah, good. they are very good. At it's it's that. what is it? I think the distinction is the ratio of of milk. Yeah. Right. They have more milk in in. It was like more milk rich. Right. Um, but it's just so much better. It's good. So much it's better. It's really good. It's very creamy. Yeah, it, yeah, it really chocolate. Yeah, I'm the, <laughs> after this podcast, I'm going to So where where are we now? Back in the U.S. Present it's 13, time, yeah. yeah. So it's graduated. Well, like the thing, like after I moved here, we I tried like every different type of sport, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd never seen baseball before. I saw like some glimpses of football on TV. So I was like, all right, let me try these things, right? <laughs> The first baseball that was thrown to me. Football didn't work as a leprechaun at the, at the time. Well, we'll get to that. Point, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, the first baseball that was thrown to me, um, I ate. We went <laughs> square to the face. My buddy Josh threw it, <laughs> and I was. It, it was very painful. Um, oh, and then I actually ended up playing baseball that season, and I got on base once. Right. Mm-hmm. I I didn't hit a ball all season, and I I still didn't. The ball hit me. Hit me in the back. <laughs> so you just got walked? Yep, I got walked. <laughs> so that was my experience with baseball. But, you know, I Wait, tried it. Hit you in the back? Yeah, because, like, it, oh, you just turned, he, you, I oh, turned you this turned around, way. To, okay. Yeah, and hit me, boom, right in the back. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that it did not work out well for me. Baseball, so baseball wasn't work. wasn't the game for me. So what was the, what was the second plan here? Um, I, I Then I also played football, right, mm-hmm. um, which was really brutal, right? I was, like, the smallest kid on the team. I right. was a foreign kid, right? So Weren't your uniforms also green? Because I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of you on the football team at your house. I, I wanted... No, they weren't, they weren't green. They're actually, there is a picture of me, um, I think right on Facebook, if I pull it up, of my first week as, of, football. of football. Yeah, I want to play this green. Because if it was green, it was, was this, a, wait, when was, this was in the U.S. though, right? Yeah, this is okay, mostly, never mind. So this is eighth grade. Because right. if it was like it was like you joined a football team wearing a green uniform as you and those girls that made fun of you for being short and a leprechaun, yeah, they that, would have literally tore you a new asshole. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It would not have been fun. But I'm very I'm very glad that it wasn't. Um, yeah, here it is. Oh, so it's yellow. Okay, it's yellow. Okay. Yeah, so we were oh, like badass in gold. Uh, purple and gold, yeah. Um, so I was really, it wasn't, I was very small, mm-hmm. right? That was constantly being kind of pushed around, mm-hmm. which is, which is, it's football. It's part yeah, of it, right? So I'm not kind of like, oh, you push me around. No, it's football. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, but, you know, a lot of people had told me to quit, mm-hmm. including my coach. My coach said, wow, right. Alex, this wow. may not be the sport for you, right? Um, and I ended up playing another season because I actually liked the sport. It was fun. I liked the dynamics. I liked the team play. I liked the, the strategy. Because um, it's it's similar to soccer in a way, in that you have two it is. It is. you have two teams on a playing field mm-hmm. trying to gain possession of a ball and bring it from one end to the other. I think right. just the, the biggest difference is just for full, for like American football is just the American way. It's just like basketball. It's just really aggressive yeah. and just you know constant tactics and just back and forth, like just like just going. Yep. You know, soccer is just you know, slow. It's like, yeah, kind of. It's kind of yeah. like. Just back, a little back and forth. Like a little that. back and forth, yeah. But um, I ended up doing really well that my ninth, my ninth grade season mm-hmm. that they kept me on, you know, they, because I improved significantly. Mm-hmm. So I, I did enjoy football a lot, but the issue, I was just getting a lot of concussions, so I had to quit. How many concussions did you get? I got like four. Really? Yeah. 
got like four. And um, you only played for two seasons. And I'm assuming seasons. for the beginning of the first season, you weren't even on the field that often. Or no. Were you... Well, like, I, I got most, I got like two of my concussions from practice alone, right? Oh my God. Right. Um, this kid called Xavier Mabina. Mm-hmm. He's this huge black dude, mm-hmm. right? I still joke to him. Like, I see him in CVS. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, mess me up, man. Because <laughs> he, he, like, fucking trucked through me right. in eighth grade. Gave me one of my concussions, right? <laughs> so we still talk about that to this day. Um, this but, isn't like that's crazy that this is in high school I mean, early I mean late middle school early high school yeah. and you're still getting concussed like that just goes to show the controversy behind concussions in football yeah that's just a huge problem was, I don't know what they're gonna fun. do about that yeah they gotta figure that out but yeah that was a weird sport and then I ended up playing um, I did winter I did basketball <laughs> I'm the shortest kid on the team and hey I tried basketball I didn't have tryouts but you know it was something I wanted to try and I really enjoyed it, but like again, I was very short. So right. whatever layup I went for, it was just not, nope, didn't nope, work. it's not allowed. <laughs> Give me that ball. So I I enjoyed playing it. Had, had how long did you play basketball for? One season. One season. That was ninth grade. Okay. The annoying part was though, I got altitude sickness that year, and was taken out completely. That's were you in Colorado? That's when I went to Colorado. Colorado. Got okay, altitude okay. sickness. I lost twelve pounds in like a week. Okay. Um, I looked like I look I looked like emaciated. It was really bad. <laughs> Um, so, um, that kind of took me out of the basketball scene. Okay, so you then baseball, football, basketball. Yep. So, you, you played soccer, right? Yeah, well, soccer is, is huge. You know, um, I played that in Hong Kong. I played that all throughout Switzerland. Oh, okay, and, okay, okay. Yeah. But did um, you join a team in high so school? Or, I actually... like an actual, you know... Like I actually didn't. Yeah, okay. I didn't. Okay. Um, avoid, always wanted to, but then, like, I was like, I just want... I've played soccer my whole life. I want to try something new, right? So, I was mm-hmm. always trying new things. Like, mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's been a part of my identity for a long time. I mean, it only makes sense. always trying new things. Um, so then I tried golf for a while, which I really loved. It's so Caucasian. It's so white. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, you know, I'm definitely one of the whitest people. You no, know. no, obviously, obviously. Um, and I really enjoyed that game. That's a great game. Golf? I still play yeah, it I've never, I've never played golf, so I yeah. don't even know. I have golfer's elbow in my right elbow, but okay. I never played golf. Which oh, shit. <laughs> so, how, do you, how do you get that? Um, it's just a, it's like a tightness yeah. in like the ulnar side yeah. of your forearm it's just from heavy lifting like it's probably it's probably happened because of deadlifting for me oh. um just because i went really heavy on deadlifts all Makes last sense. semester which honestly was not worth it i mean i'm um, still pretty proud of my pr but it still was not worth it um dumb move but that's a that's a talk for a later later podcast yeah that's all right but um yeah so i really enjoyed golf and then i tried track loved that that was mm-hmm. fun you know like running is shit yeah, but yeah you know that's still fun. I mean, I think being being on teams is such an important part of growing up in, in I'd say, middle school, high school time. Yeah. And I've just missed out on that because my high school was, it was one of those specialized high schools in New York, and it was pretty underfunded. Like, we had one floor. It was all academic-oriented. Yeah. It was just, we didn't have, we had a handball team and a swimming team. Yeah. And I still don't know how to swim, and I played handball for a little bit, but I wasn't good as the Asians, so <laughs> I didn't really get to do it. I didn't have the output yeah. to play any sports or do anything. I, like I don't that. necessarily think that kids should have to do team sports. I think they should have the I output think they have to. Do, yes, they have the output too, but do something. Yeah. Like, don't go home that. and play video games. Like, I mean, go out that's and do a problem today. That's not, I don't think that was a problem as much when we were kids. Because we, we, we did grow up on technology, but we grew with technology. Yeah. Whereas today's kids, like my brother's 13, he grew up on te- Like he grew up and technology was already given to him. Yeah. You know, like he, he already had it. Like my sister is a better, another example. She is four and she knows how to use a phone better than my grandma. And yeah. like, it, it's like, 
she know it's like easy for her to navigate through all of it. No, she knows how to use yeah. it. She was born on it. Yeah. It wasn't like she kind of born. She was born, went through time without it, and then picked it up later on. It. Yeah. yeah, like to us, it's separable. It's yeah. something that's it, we know it's like a part of us, but it's yeah. an extension to them. Yeah. It's not an extension. It's just them. Like yeah. it's just there already. It's, it's not something that they life, can think of yeah. without of. Exactly. But it does suck not having technology. Yeah, but it also doesn't. <laughs> Like, there are times where, like, my dad would or my mom would take my phone away for a week or something mm-hmm. like that, and it was, like, the best week of my life. I had nobody, nobody wanted anything from me. Right. I wasn't getting stupid emails. I wasn't getting right, stupid right. calls. I wasn't getting people, <laughs> like, like, nobody knew where I was, which I love. I love not knowing, like, knowing that people where I am, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's... And I think in today's day, today's day and age, it's, it's kind of scary how people don't catch up anymore. I think I was telling you this last time we spoke since when have you sat down with somebody and just, a good friend just caught up. and caught up yeah that doesn't true. happen anymore it doesn't like, happen anymore I already know I saw it on Facebook mm-hmm. you tell me mm-hmm. so what is there to talk about now right I think people people like that they just assume they know enough they don't really want to know more everything's already and out there and the thing is the thing is the the thing that happens on social media your life you portray on social media it's is the, not the your tidbit. real life. it's the best parts that you can do exactly. just to show off it's, just to show it's off a, a giant bit. just just it's a it's a Showdown to see was the biggest penis. Like, yeah, that's really all. I was it is. I was telling I was talking to Keenan about this the other day. I had this weird thought in the shower. Right, shower what thoughts. If, best thoughts. Best thoughts. <laughs> what if you somebody else made your social media profile for you? No, I mean professional. I mean people who are social media influencers or like the people who but have like very large followings. Right, they're not controlling most of their media. Like someone else is usually managing. But I'm saying somebody them. random. Oh like, yeah, that that'd be not good. Like you'd automatically be you're given all these photos, all this content from somebody, and you're like, you get to choose what goes up on this person's profile, right? There like, are probably people who who are paying to have that done for them. Okay. I th- I struggle because it's because me personally, like I'm trying to do this thing with social media and you know be like a technical quote unquote social media influencer, you know, right. trying to be someone that has kind of weight in society. Mm. And I have, like, I'm always spending my time in not just looking through Instagram, but looking at what these, like, these influencers are doing. And when I see what they're doing, it just seems like, it doesn't seem like them. It doesn't seem like it's a real person. It's just weird. Yeah. Like, pre-constructed. Yeah. Doesn't seem, like, fluid or natural. natural. It just seems kind of, you know, kind of photoshopped in a way, you know, that it's already made for them. No, it's not like authentic anymore. People are just, just they're so accustomed now to kind of trying, but Snapchat and Instagram stories and stuff like that, mm-hmm. trying to show those the best parts of what they're doing. Yeah. They're so used to being like, oh, these are like, look at me, like, look, this is what I'm doing, yeah. this is what I'm doing. That they're forgetting to do things, like they're yeah. they're forgetting to be them and kind of mm-hmm. just live their way not live a certain way so that they can talk about living that certain exactly. way exactly yeah i think social media in terms of the benefit it it has for people is now starting to reverse yeah and that it's starting in, to take away yeah because now like people will literally live their lives for other people yeah right for other people's benefit right like i am eating this food so that I can have good content for my Instagram page so that my Instagram followers yeah. can like this. Instead yeah, of, I'm yeah, going to eat this weird. food because I, I like it. I want to eat this food. Right. So, and they don't live in the moment anymore. Right? Yeah. There's no, like, living in the present to me, especially, is like, for me, it's a huge mm-hmm. deal to live in the moment and live in the present because mm-hmm. I feel like in today's day and age, so many kids and You're people never in the present. want to be somewhere else yeah. while they're already here, yeah. you know? And you forget. It's I like, think this is a good way I can sum it up. Right. People are forgetting 
the being of a human being. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way I can sum it up. And on that note, it's been an hour, and it's the end of the first podcast. And honestly, that's a really good note to end it off because uh, that really helped me sum up how the whole idea of the podcast on this platform here, the whole anonymity. Talk to her. Anonymity Anonymity. of this podcast goes into people being able to be the real them and talk about what they're doing and where they're going. And it's the people who are at that age where they're trying to be someone and trying to figure out who they are. Because at this age, at around 20 years old, like you don't know who you are. You really don't know. You don't know shit. You're trying to figure it out. You have no idea. And you're kind of going off of, you know, people who've already made it, um, your parents, like all everything around them. And you're just trying to be someone. Yep. So. Uh, I think this will be a, a good podcast to help those it's, people out. It's nice to know that other people don't know shit either. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Hmm. I mean, yeah. So, on that note, thank you for being here. I'm going to shake your hand even though I know you. Give it a little dab there, and it's podcast number one. Wait, don't leave yet. So, I just wanted to give a little outro before the end of this podcast. So... There's no timeline for this podcast. Probably all the episodes are going to be about anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, and it's kind of just all over the place. It's a freelance podcast. There aren't any specific questions or any script to uh, what's going to be happening on the show. And um, what I'm going to be trying to do is trying to get at least one episode out a week. Again, like I said, I only have a year left of college. And given the fact that I only have uh, those many numbered amounts of weeks i want to get in as many people as i can and try to reach out to the largest audience that i possibly can within the time that i have so i was actually late in recording this show and i wanted to record it uh the first sunday that i started my first semester of senior year but unfortunately i didn't get to record it and edit it and upload it until the second week so what i'm going to be doing is uh rushing and getting the recording done for the second episode which will be coming out on uh this sunday on september 9th i believe um uh, actually no i'm sorry september 10th and uh, i will try to get the recording editing and uh, get it uploaded by the the night of the 10th the guest on the second show will be someone who has uh, uh been a close friend of mine also he's a uh, uh, been living with me for a while, and uh, uh, we'll call him Pooh Bear, and uh, we'll meet him uh, on the second episode, and uh, you'll come to find out he's uh, quite a character. So uh, until then, thank you for being here, thank you for listening, and I uh, hope uh, you listen to the next one. Peace out.